0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Motivation Burrito. It's Friday, and I am your amazing and awesome host, Melissa. And Fridays are my favorite days, and so it only ends up being in perfect and divine timing that today is a very special episode. And while at first... I was not going to record this episode, the fact that I am here doing so makes it even that more special. Today's episode is for the men and I'm gonna try and use my best voice possible. I'm going to try and keep it as sensual and sultry as possible. And I am just going to serenade the shit out of you beautiful men in today's episode. At least I'm going to try. So the reason why I debated recording this topic originally is I don't have the greatest experience with the male side of humanity. Um, I have been abandoned, i have been abused, but they are not what I would call men and I realized that not only are there still good men out there but the ones that are out there can truly hold that title with honor and those are the ones who are deserving of our love, our adoration, our respect, and our partnership. So this episode is for those good men. The gentlemen types, the classy men, the honorable men, and I said it in my Instagram preview, I fucking love you guys, and you absolutely deserve this episode, and I can only hope that I do justice with this one. This episode came about because on last on the last episode that I recorded on Tuesday, I started talking about the erotic blueprint and I started talking about this book that I had read called The Queen's Code. And originally I was going to give this episode like some kind of fancy title having to do with the book and having to do with some of the topics that are discussed in the book. But the book, while it's in the point of view of women, it provides a point of view from a woman who has truly come to understand the profound impact of a man. And it's it's just such an amazing book. The book is you know, the Queen's Code. The author is Alison Armstrong. so if you do want to pick this up at some point, I highly suggest it for both men and for women, uh, but definitely for women. I read this book, I want to say a couple of years ago. And even though it was at a time of my life where I was not interested in having a relationship or bringing men back into my life, I knew that I still needed to read it in order to understand them a little bit better. And in order to appreciate them more because I still had male friends in my life that I realized I probably was not appreciating them because of the way I had seen my experiences with men in relationships. And you don't realize that sometimes what you experience in one aspect of your life, you take into another. So everything is energy. Everything is experience. And how you separate these things from one aspect to the other is really like, you, just, you have to be aware, basically. You have to have an awareness of the energy that you're bringing to people. And you most definitely have to be aware of the energy that you're bringing around men. Because men are highly receptive. And that was the first thing that I learned when reading this book. I always thought that it was women who were intuitive and women who were receptive. And I always thought that it was us that took or that were aware of energy first. You know, for me, it was just this. Oh, women are more in tune to energy than men are. So therefore we have like a higher awareness and we could feel it as soon as we walk into the room. Men feel it too. In fact, men are probably more receptive than we give them credit for. And I learned this in the book. So that small thing, that small little piece of information was what sparked that first shift in how I perceived men. And again, I'm talking like men, men, the good men. So I'm sitting here right now with a glass of wine. Originally, I was gonna do something that was a little bit more masculine. Um, I have a couple of really good whiskeys and bourbons because I have done a bit of traveling. Um, I have a really awesome gym beam that my dad had won um, at a Christmas raffle and I got this by bargaining with my dad. (laughs) But here's the thing, It, it goes to what I'm going to talk about today because men have a desire to provide and I had been asking for this bottle for a very long time. Because when I went to Tennessee, it was the one bottle I was not able to get. I went into a Jim Beam distillery, but because me and my best friend had spent like a hundred dollars on another tour, um, we did the Angel's Envy tour, which is, I think it's called Angel's Envy. Uh, have to double check that. But we did, we basically did another distillery tour, which was the whole kit and caboodle. And at the end of it, you got your own bottle and it has your name on it. It's tagged, it's in the federal database. And it was just such an awesome experience. But because we had done that one, the Jim Beam one was around the same price. And so um, we decided not to do both. And yes, it is called Angel's Envy. I just had to double check. Um, luckily my box is right here. It's in the same room, so I didn't have to look very far. But yes, um, so we didn't have the time or the money to do both because again, there were other things that we had planned and we had to get accounted for on our trip. But we went to the Jim Beam Distillery because it was also like a bar. So it was like the distillery on one side and then on the other side, it was a bar. And they made pretty much like a whole bunch of different drinks on their cocktail menu. So they had a whole menu of all these different cocktail cocktails that had Jim Beam as the base on it. And there was this one that was like a slushy, and it was so good. Um, and I, I just remembered, I was like, ugh, like if I could get it, a bottle, I would. But again, We had already done the tour for the distillery. And then the other thing is when you're traveling, um, there's a limit on how much liquor you can actually bring back. So because we were in Tennessee and we would have to get on the plane, it's not like we were, you know, buying it like at the the airport, like we were literally in Tennessee and Kentucky. So we would be packing and we had to check our bag in at that point because the moment you have a bottle, your bag is automatically checked in. And I think the max that you were able to carry is like two bottles or like a max amount of ounces. So had we bought something else um, because we did have another tour planned, had we bought something else at the other tour, we wouldn't have been able to buy the gym beam. So that's why I didn't get it and I was very upset. So when my dad won his bottle, at the Christmas raffle, I was like, oh my God, I want it. And I had been kind of like poking at it for a while and he kept it in his little glass um, shelving unit thing. I'm losing the word right now, but he kept it in there. And again, I had been chasing it for a while. And then there was something that he finally wanted and I offered to make a trade and I finally got my Jim Beam bottle. All that to say, uh I was going to do something a little bit more masculine and I was probably gonna make myself like a whiskey sour or have um a Jack and Coke or a Captain and Ginger. Like I didn't know what I was gonna do. I was definitely looking for something a little bit more like hardcore liquor. But instead I ended up with a wine Called a vineyard wine, and it was recommended to me by another beautiful man, who is my favorite person at this vineyard that I go to. Like he is absolutely one of the best hosts in that place, um, and he's also a phenomenal bartender, like just the stuff that he makes is just amazing. The stuff that he recommends is amazing. So he just, he's just an amazing like host. So every time I go there, I always feel super comfortable. I feel taken care of. Um, And I went there for my birthday and he gave me one of the specials at a discounted price. And I was just like, you didn't have to. And he's like, but it's your birthday. And I'm like, oh, dude, you're so amazing. So he really goes out of his way to take care of his customers. And so I chose that wine because it was recommended by someone who is fantastic and is the definition of a good man. So we're gonna go into the book and I'm going to recap a little bit on the erotic blueprint because I want I actually want more men to become aware of it. And the reason why I say that is because I mentioned in my in my last episode that sexual experiences can be truly profound and When a woman can understand a man's needs in this capacity, and when a man is able to share what his needs are, it creates that even more intimate connection. So I'm going to take this moment to encourage men to take the erotic blueprint quiz, because as much as you want to provide for us, and as much as you want to give us what we need, the right woman will want to do the same for you. So, um, knowing your erotic blueprint and knowing what you need for your satisfaction will help us help you. All right. So I'm going to leave y'all with that. I'm going back to the erotic blueprint. We can always talk about that some more, some other time, or you can always reach out to me on the motivation burrito on Facebook. And share some results because I love hearing some feedback and some results on quizzes. So we're gonna get into the Queen's Code. What really started it for me and again the language that's in this book is just amazing and yes while it is from the perspective of women, it really is a reflection of a woman. They call it the queen's code because, all right, I'll have to explain why they call it the queen's code and you'll know in like two seconds why they call it the queen's code, but it's from the perspective of a woman, but it is from the perspective of a highly aware and highly in tune woman. And therefore, if there are any parts that men disagree with, or if there are any parts that they feel they need to explain a little bit more, or they kind of want to just like clarify, again, reach out to me at the Motivation Burrito on Facebook, and just let me know your thoughts. Let me know if you agree, if you disagree, if you want to add to it, if you want to share your experience. Like I am open to all of this, all of it. This is your episode. This is completely for you. And I am here because I want to change my experiences with men. I want to be ready for when my person comes along. And it, even though I've read this book f- before, it never hurts to have a reminder. It never hurts to go back to something, to relearn the lesson if you haven't learned it. I clearly haven't learned all the lessons because I'm still not having the best experiences. But I want to change that. And in me taking accountability for that and acknowledging the fact that I still have my faults and I still have things to work on, I can actually start doing the work. And that's why I stuck with this episode. Because if I didn't record this episode today, if I didn't sit here And honor the really good men. How am I supposed to be ready for that person when he shows up at my door? How am I supposed to be ready and inviting and say, like, yes, I'm here for a partnership. I'm here to, you know, live life on an equal playing field. And So yeah, this is, this is me saying that I know that there's still stuff that I work, that I need to work on, but I'm willing to do the work because I love y'all. And so yeah, that's why I'm here. So why the Queen's Code? The Queen's Code started with two women who were like me, struggling in their relationships and not having really good experiences. One of them was married, the other one was single. And the one who was married was pretty much fighting with her husband all the time to the point where she was actually thinking about divorcing him. So they go to this seminar where the speaker is like an older gentleman And he's providing like, it's a seminar on, on men, you know, like how to improve your life with men and, um, how to better your relationships with men. And so my computer screen just turned off because guess what? It wanted to go idle. So, um, how to improve your relationships with men and how to just overall, like better that aspect. Um, better your marriage better or like find a man if you were single so it was a conference for women on how to get the guy basically and it's not very easy to record a podcast when you're drinking wine by the way because this wine smells so so good and um, I'm sitting here like do I sip it do I not do I keep talking but y'all I'm going to take a sip of this really amazing wine because I can. Anyway, so they're at this conference and the speaker is talking about men and all this good stuff. And finally, the married friend says, or asks why men are great in the beginning. You know, they give flowers, they give great gifts, great dates, but then they turn into what she calls weekday workaholics. Or couch slugs who basically just watch football and binge eat pizza all day. And the speaker actually is a little bit amused at the question because he like you could tell he's gotten that question a lot. Right. And it's a common way of thinking like we women do that. We say like, why are guys so amazing in the beginning? And then all of a sudden, they're horrible people and blah, blah, blah. And they just become lazy and they sit on the couch all day and they do nothing. And keep an eye on the things I'm saying because I'm going to explain more about those things later. So the amused speaker says to her, Some, he called her a frog farmer. And she's like, frog farmer? And he says, yes, some women turn frogs into princes, but that takes a queen. Most women turn princes into frogs. Y'all, that deserves another sip of wine because that shit hit me so hard that I was like, uh, yikes. So it's the idea that most women... Take a good man, a prince, a gentleman, an honorable man, and turn him back into a frog. Whereas a queen can turn a frog into a prince. But a queen also knows how to treat that prince. In fact, most times the queen treats him like a king, right? See where I'm going with this? Isn't it fantastic? So it was this idea that Most women are frog farmers and that in order to truly keep a man from becoming a frog, you kind of have to like really know and be aware of what matters to them most. And that's where the rest of the book comes in, the queen's code. So one of the important things was notice, like I said, what we think and what we say about men you know we call them lazy we call them couch potatoes we say they're horrible we say that they're insensitive um that they are selfish inconsiderate they fail to communicate they're clueless all these negative words that we say about men but where does this point of view come from right that's that's the million dollar question in this whole book Where do these point of views come from? What are we feeling when we're saying these things? Most women are usually angry, frustrated, hurt, confused, disappointed. You know, they're, they're in negative emotions, right? They're in like the depths of just not being in a happy place or in a good place. So when women are frustrated or when they're angry and when they're using words like this to describe men. the the main character, the woman who was teaching the other characters, the other main characters, said, as compared to what? What are we comparing men to when when we say that they're insensitive, when we say that they're selfish, when we say that they're clueless? Compared to what? Right? Holy crap. The answer is we're comparing them to women. Even more than that, we're comparing them to our idea of the perfect person. So the perfect person, according to women, is the perfect amount of the perfect qualities at the perfect time that is a woman. Does that even make sense that this is our logic? Now I kind of see why you guys are like, huh? So (laughs) we're saying that men are insensitive compared to women who are absolutely sensitive. We're saying that men are selfish compared to the perfect woman who is not selfish, who is selfless and does everything for everyone. We're saying that they fail to communicate in comparison to the perfect woman who is a master communicator. Is she really the... Is she really? So this whole idea of the way that we look at men, the way that we think about them is our attempt to compare them to perfection that is not realistic and that essentially doesn't exist. And I was like, mind blown because this is what we do. This is the basis of frog farming. This is the basis of how we turn good men back into frogs because we fail to realize that men have entirely unique qualities that make them men. They are not women. They were never meant to be women. That's why they were created separate from us because man is man woman is woman. They are not one in the same. So when you, the book says that when you look at a man from comparing him to the female-based perfect person, we stop seeing them as men. We see them as what she described as a hairy woman that is defective. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And then what's even worse is we try and, fix it. We try and fix you, but you're not broken. So, and I'm starting to realize that this is why men hate when somebody tries to fix them because it's like, but I'm not broken. I am exactly what I'm supposed to be. I'm the way I'm meant to be. You're just looking at me from the eyes of your idea of perfection, which does not exist. So we're trying to fix what's essentially not broken. So when we do this, when we fail to see men as men, when we fail to see them as the brilliant beings that they are, not only do we fail to appreciate them, we essentially fail to appreciate ourselves because we don't appreciate the differences. We don't appreciate those different qualities. And we don't appreciate what men have to offer versus what women have to offer, and that's where things get really, really wonky and really crazy. And so, what we try to do is we try to explain or justify the apparent misbehavior that we feel that they are that they are portraying. So again, we look at them as being insensitive, selfish, all of this stuff, and we're like looking at them like they're misbehaving or that they're being bad or that they're broken. And because our minds are wired differently, we interpret that as, well, they don't love us or they don't respect us or they don't care enough about us or we don't matter. And that's wild. Why do we do that? I do that. I I, I do that sometimes. Um, And again, this is me Becoming more aware and realizing that there are still parts of my life that I need to work on. There are still parts of these things that I still do. Um, I don't always talk about men in a positive light, and that's on me. And again, it's because of my experience. It's because of being triggered by what I have felt in the past, what I've experienced in the past. And when I bring that forward, I am looking at them from a comparison point of view, and I'm trying to compare them to this image of perfection that doesn't exist. So again, I am judging before I'm able to actually see them and witness them as who they are, as the unique individual that that person is. And that's not fair. And again, the more aware I become of it, the better I can be about it and not do that. So, what do we do? How do we change that? Well, first, we kind of have to understand that by nature, men regard women with love and trust and they seek intimacy and that they want to cherish women. So seeking intimacy, cherishing women is part of their human nature. It's part of what they do. They do love us. They do respect us. In fact, that's all they want to do. They want to love us. They want to trust us. They want to respect us. They want that intimacy. They want that connection. And that's like at the core of what they want. But there's more. There's even more. Oh, my God. love, 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 love what's at the core of man. And um, I'm going to talk about that in a minute after I take a quick pause and take another quick sip of wine. Y'all, this wine is so good. It is seriously so good. Like, I'm really enjoying myself here. And it kind of feels like I'm on a sexy date, even though I'm not. But like, yo, the mood is kind of right right now. You know, it was a little bit rainy. And um, so like, there's like some nice soft lighting with a glass of wine. And just so you know, um, parts of this were pre recorded. So the wine drinking part was like at nighttime. No, I do not wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning to drink a glass of wine. Y'all crazy. But anyway, um, as I was saying, <laughs> we women, right? It all depends on our perspective. On how we look at men and how we compare them to this idea of perfection so when we do this and when we come from this place of criticizing and calling you names we do what the book calls emac emasculate oh my god um and when we do that we basically deprive you of your strength or we weaken you or we belittle you And it's like, so basically when we feel that you're not doing something that is helpful to us, or when women feel like you're not listening or you're being inconsiderate or selfish or any of these things as perceived by this idea of perfection, right? So we're looking at it like, oh, this guy is not behaving properly. We're essentially now becoming offensive right so in order to protect ourselves and protect our feelings we look at it as the best defense is the offense so now we're going to go on the attack because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing and before my feelings get hurt i'm going to kind of like put you down and let you know what you're doing wrong so you could fix it kind of thing right Jesus Christ. That's horrible. (laughs) Um, so yeah. So when we go on the offensive and we essentially attack you, we emasculate you because whereas a man does want to make things right and he does want to provide and he does want to care for you, we're now making it difficult for them to do that. And so we come to heart of the man right the thing that they want the most and what they want the most is to provide for their women and what i like is they call this part the language of heroes and when i read this i was like oh this is so good And the language of heroes is essentially the five major words that eventually leads to a man being powerful and being able to fulfill his absolute purpose. When you think about the hero's journey, right? The hero's journey is one of challenge. It's one of um, overcoming, of conquering. It's this journey of like these ups and downs, but at the end of it, the achieved a greater purpose and by achieving that profound great purpose they really feel like they're the hero right and so the hero's journey is just something that is absolutely like incredible so in the book they have what's called the language of heroes and it's the things that make up what essentially is at the core of the man. So before we end, we're going to end at the hero and we're going to take you through the parts that make up the language of heroes. And then after that, we're just going to kind of like, Cause I don't want to spend too much time on like the itty bitty and the breakdown of the entire book. I do want to talk a little bit to men and kind of just share with them my feelings. Um, So I do want to provide a little bit more of a personal touch as well, because again, this episode is 100% in dedication to you. So as I said, if there's anything in here that you disagree with, just, uh, let me know. And a lot of the first part of this episode is going to be information that I got from the book. But I also want to share my interpretations of it because how I utilize these lessons, like anybody can read a book, right? Anybody can read a book. And the thing about reading is that it's open to so many different interpretations. But what I want to leave you guys with at the end of this episode is a commitment that i'm making and i want to leave you guys with something again that's not just my interpretation of this book but it's kind of like a promise that i'm making and my commitment to the work that i still need to do but i also kind of want to acknowledge where i am so it's we'll talk about that so the language of heroes the first Well, the five words that make up the language of heroes is provider, accountable, help, save, and hero. And I'm not gonna go through all of them in great detail. I'm just gonna go through the ones that like really stood out for me. So the first one was provider. Providing is at the heart of a man and the word provide resonates with who they are at their core. And what she basically means by that is that when men feel that they have provided or they know that they have provided when what they have done has made a difference in the world or it's made a difference to someone or it's had a profound impact. So if there is a positive impact or it's made a difference in some way, then they feel that they have provided And that's at the heart of what they do and at the core of who they are, they wanna provide. The same thing with help, men don't mind helping. And they look at help and saving slightly different. Like they go hand in hand, but they're also like one is an extreme of the other. Men don't mind helping. In fact, they love to help and to serve. It's a natural part of life. And they realize that sometimes challenges present themselves that we're not prepared for. Sometimes we end up with a plot twist, as my mentor calls them, or things that we didn't anticipate or prepare for. And when we face these challenges, we realize that we can't do them on our own. And so when we ask for help and we're able to communicate that we need help, And we're able to communicate our needs effectively they're willing and more than happy to help and to serve us what they don't like is having to save us because saving is the emergency situation of helping so if they have to save us it means that that need for help became an emergency which means We didn't ask for help in time. We didn't communicate our needs the way we should have. And we tried to do things on our own and waited too long before realizing now we need to be saved and now we're in crisis and now we're in emergency mode. And that cry for help has literally gone from help me to save me. And the thing about saving is that men again, want to provide for us. They want to care for us. They want to make sure that we have what we need. So when they have to save us, they realize it's an emergency situation and they literally have to drop what they're doing in order to come to our rescue. And that takes a lot of energy out of them, especially if they're in the middle of another task or or project. So when we ask them to save us, we're taking them away from something else that they are doing. But when we ask them to help us, they realize that it's part of a goal and they're more than happy to help us accomplish something because then they feel accomplished. So it's that's why like one is the extreme of the, of the other. And all of this eventually leads to the hero. And the hero, is basically when they have achieved their mission, they've achieved their purpose, or they've achieved the goal that they set to do, but they don't truly feel like the hero until we acknowledge and recognize their intentions and we recognize their accomplishment and we recognize how they got there and what they did for us. We recognize the thing that they provided for us. And it's in that moment of recognition that the man becomes the hero and they receive that gratification and they receive that moment of like, you know, again, that proudness and profound impact. They, they receive knowing that they have provided and cared for us and have given us exactly what they need or what we, you know, we need, and they've made a difference in our lives because they care. And again, it's all about the impact and the end result for them. So that's pretty much just the spiel of the Queen's Code that I am going through today. And um, yeah, I wanted to share that. So what does this all mean for me? Here's the thing, I said in the beginning that I have not had the greatest experience with males and that's very true. And I've realized that I have this very strong desire to call somebody into my life again. I am 32 and I'm at the point where I do wanna have somebody who can be a partner a collaborator, on somebody that I just share phenomenal, phenomenal experiences with. Um, somebody that I could journey with, you know, go on adventures with somebody who shares a similar purpose, you know, a, a similar purpose and a similar mission to me. Like this podcast has not only been healing for me, but it's allowed me To connect with others who need the same thing and it's allowed me to host a safe space for people to feel like they're not alone for people to feel seen and heard and understood and while I haven't gotten too many comments the comments that I have received have all acknowledged and confirmed that what i am doing is making a difference and it's having an impact so similar to men this has been profound for me because this is just a purpose that i truly believe in and i want to find somebody who has that same desire who wants to make a difference in people's lives who wants to provide a safe space for those that they care about and to really just be like a pillar of wisdom and truth you know so those are my goals and intentions not only with podcast not only with the podcast but in anything that i do and i just really want to provide that safe space and i realized that i don't just want to do it for my listeners i want to do it for my partner too because it takes a lot, like helping others takes a lot of energy. And oftentimes we become so mission oriented and so focused on helping others that we forget about helping ourselves. And the host needs somebody too, right? The helper needs somebody to help them. We need that support. We need that that person who can hold us in safety. And so I want to do that for somebody, but I want to find a partner who can do that for me too. Even with all the energy that we're expending, I still want to, at the end of the day, hold space for my partner and say, I've got you. And we'll do this together. So. That's, um, what I eventually, you know, part of event, part of what I want to find in a person, obviously the other part is, like I said, finding somebody who is open and honest and super vulnerable and, um, just being ready when that person does come along. And I don't know what that looks like yet, but, um, I don't know. I have that's a whole that's a story for another day because there is somebody that I've that I met that has some of those qualities, but um we'll talk about that another day. There is let's basically say that there is somebody who has caught my eye and in order for me to be open to that door again and inviting them in there was stuff that I needed to work on and I do have to say that my energy this week has been absolute shit my energy this month has been absolute shit and when I was having a conversation with that person I realized that they started to pull away and um I took accountability for my actions. I did say that I realized my energy was coming off all sorts of funky and I did not blame them. In fact, it's again, something that I took upon myself and realized that, hey, you're not, you're imposing and you're overwhelming them. And so when they become overwhelmed, you know, they also go on the defensive and it just creates a dynamic that's not very fun for either party. So I was fully aware in my actions and my energy. And this is what I meant when I said in the beginning of this episode that men are so receptive and so aware of energy. Because I was over here thinking one thing, and then when I got out of my head and I got out of the things that I was feeling, I was like, holy crap, what did I do? because this is awful and how, why did I act this way? And like I said, I apologized, but I felt like I messed up. And because I started to feel that way, I I essentially made the situation worse. So again, I had to apologize for my actions because I was aware of what I was doing and um, it got heavy to say the least. And again, men don't like heavy. They don't like having to save someone. They don't like having to be put in a position where the person on the other end is helpless and just can't do it on their own. And that's not what I'm about. Like I've done so much work. Like I have been in personal development for a while. So the work that I've done was way beyond the way that I was acting. But what that person saw was just my actions and my energy in that moment. And I was like, this isn't me. You spent the last four months creating the biggest shifts of your life. And you're supposed to be like all the way over here, but you're acting like a toddler and you're acting like so low energy, so low vibration. So um, yeah, all I could do at that point was just apologize and hope that they do see that, I've done a lot of the work and it was just not a good time. Um, So, yeah, again, I can only hope it is what it is. I apologized and that's not how I normally am. So now here is my, here is my outlook and here is my dedication to You amazing men that are out there. I know this is like the third or fourth time that I'm saying it, but again, I'm sorry. I just, I I lose my train of thought because again, um, you know, I have one thought, then it leads to another thought. And then I kind of just bounce around between topics, but coming back to the original point of, I do not have the best experiences with males. And I realized that I was having experiences with males that don't hold or don't honor the title of what it is to be like an honorable man kind of thing or a good man. You know, they were decent men, but to really hold the title of actually only one of them was decent. The other one was a toxic person. Um to hold the title of a good man lies in the intention. And, but the intention comes both ways, you know? Like men have the intention to provide and to care and to, um, you know, seek intimacy with women, but we have to have the same intention. And a lot of it is based on trust. And that's the thing that I've struggled with for a long time. And I talked about it in one of my other episodes where I've started to trust again. And I've started to trust the women in my group. I started to trust my friends on another level again. I started to trust people in my day-to-day life. I even started to trust God in a way to be able to provide for me and to be able to, um, really like open the door to more blessings and miracles like i I have started to open that part of myself again open my spirituality and trust in the universe and trust in god and trust that whatever i ask for will be delivered so that was also a huge thing for me but where i struggle with still is trusting men and so i'm at the point where this is my declaration i want to open my heart and i want to start trusting men again and i could sit here and say this but it honestly depends on my actions right i need to first be open to the idea of allowing men to provide for me again and whether that's friendship or um a business partnership or a collaboration or even just like providing me with advice for a day, I am going to start allowing the men in my life to provide for me because that's what I blocked off. And when I don't, and when I when you block that off, you block off your capacity to receive, holy crap, I'm starting to understand my mentor's lessons now too, by not trusting men To provide for me I am not allowing myself to receive from them and I need to practice this with the men in my life like one of my bosses is a man and while there are certain things that we don't agree on and there are certain things that I do not get from him he does provide other things for me. And I just have to be aware and acknowledge those things that he has provided. And I haven't done that. So to be honest, I have not done that for my boss. I have not acknowledged what he has provided. In fact, what I've done is I've criticized him on what he hasn't. And it's a shining example of something that I need to change. So maybe uh, I'll work on that this week and try and be aware of what he has provided me and acknowledge when he does something that um, supports a need of mine. So I'm going to take step one and practice there. So what I'm trying to say is in order for me to be ready for that person I need to start practicing now with the people that exist in my life. I need to start practicing with, you know, the male bosses, the brothers, my, you know, my dad, and uh, the very few male friends that I have in my life. Um, people who show support, like men who show support in any way, and I just need to be more open and be more receptive of what they provide and what they give me. And this isn't gonna be easy there's gonna be days where i'm just gonna be like whatever and it's when you come from years and years of just running away from men so that you don't have to deal with this because that's what i've done i've spent the last four years running and i don't want to run anymore in fact the person who caught my attention recently was somebody that i literally did run from and i'm like why am i running from this but then by the time i realized what i was doing it was too little too late and that's again where i just totally like bombed that and um and i think that's also what led me to start reading the queen's code again because i knew that there was something wrong i knew that there was something that i was doing that was throwing off the energy and the dynamic and i needed to figure it out and um I couldn't find the answer within myself immediately. So I had to turn to an old resource and I was able to figure some of it out. And at this point, all I could do is hope and pray. But in doing so, I realized that I need to trust again. I need to trust that if I communicate effectively, that if I communicate my needs, if I communicate my desires, if I communicate my intentions, that the men will let me know if they are able to provide that or not. And most times men will try to. They will try to provide it because they prefer to do it themselves rather than to seek help but if they have to seek help they will because again men love to help and they love to serve but it all starts with communicating what you need and trusting the men to provide it for you and so i just want to acknowledge every man out there for being amazing providers For loving and caring and nurturing the people in your life, for supporting them, for being there for them, for just being honorable and good and just, and your patience and your willingness to be vulnerable, like stay that way, please. We need more vulnerability. We need more openness. We need more of that universal divine innate love that you bring to the world and so this episode has been for you and i love 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 y'all so freaking much and stay amazing stay good stay honorable you guys are truly the heroes in our lives, and the world is better with you in it. I love all of you, and I love the women too, obviously, the women listeners, um, but this one was definitely for the men. I love all my listeners. I love all my avocados. I love all of you, and I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend, and To the women out there who are listening to this, if there's a man in your life who has provided something for you today, thank him. Thank him, acknowledge the thing that he's done for you, acknowledge the feeling that it made you feel or the need that it satisfied and just say thank you. And it will definitely go a long way. Like it it will hit their heart. It'll definitely like tug at the heartstrings a little bit. So. Honor the men in your life, love them, nurture them, care for them the way they do for you. And again, like, I love y'all. And I hope you have the best, best weekend. And men, please feel free to send me some feedback and let me know your thoughts. And um, I hope you enjoyed this. And again, I hope I did you guys justice because I really, really, really wanted to make this a good one for you. So this one's for all of y'all, and I'm going to finish this glass of wine and take it a toast to you. And um, y'all are awesome. Have a great weekend.